0: Welcome to the Jacob Barrientos podcast. To stay connected, go to jacobbarrientos.org. And now, here is Pastor Jacob. We're going to dig deeper into this beholding and becoming. Has this series been a blessing to you? I hope so. Why don't you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's word. I want you to turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 7. Um, this is where we're going to live for most of the next, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. There's a, as soon as I think I've got the messages lined out, I see another aspect. And so, I don't know, maybe we'll do this for a year. I don't know. 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to read a good portion today, verses 7 through 18, out of the New Living Translation. And I'm going to draw your attention to, I want you to notice the times where it talks about the Spirit where it talks about the word or it'll talk about the old way or the new way, the scriptures or the covenant or the reading of Moses. I want you to notice these things because that's what we're going to highlight tonight. Verse 7, the old way, that's the Old Testament, the old covenant, with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory, the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. So Moses receives the, the, the law, the tablets, right? He receives this, and he has such a divine, powerful encounter with the Lord. His face is literally glowing as he comes off of the mountain. But the Bible calls that a fading glory, It was still enough to freak the people out that they're like, Moses, cover your face. We can't bear to look at you like this. And so he did. He put a veil over his face. Now look at what verse 8 says. Oh, my goodness. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way or the new covenant? This is Jesus now. Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way that makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of our new way. If the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever?' Since this new way gives us confidence, we can be very bold. Hallelujah. Everybody say it. I'm very bold. That's good. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hearted. To this day, when the Old Covenant or the Old Testament is being read, the same veil covers their mind. They cannot understand the truth. This veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. They do not understand. But when somebody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us, who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Wow. Hallelujah. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we dive into His Word tonight. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for that which brings light and life, instruction, correction where we need it. And I ask that tonight, Lord, your word would accomplish all that you desire it to. That God, we with unveiled faces would gaze upon you in your glory and even the glory of the covenant, your word that you have given us. So Lord, we come to you now and I pray for a mighty anointing to be replaced. Come on, church, uh, uh, help me pray for a great anointing. To rest upon this time together. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart and a mind that perceives what your Spirit is speaking to each and every open heart. Jesus, I pray the same anointing that was upon you to preach good news to those who are hungry, I pray would rest upon me that under the leading and unction of your Spirit, I would preach with authority as I ought to. And now I bind the works of the enemy, he who would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty, O Lord, in receiving your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. What you behold, you become. I want you to say out of your own mouth, what I behold, I become. Um, I, I had some people actually send me this last week, some of these pictures, and I, I was joking about them last week, these pictures of uh, people that end up looking like they're animals. Have you ever seen this? Like the owners look like they're dogs or their are cats. Uh, you watch couples that live together for a long time. The husband starts looking like the wife, and the wife starts looking like the husband. And I mean, this is just, we, we observe this in the world all the time. In fact, you can even see people from different parts of the world and how many even know like you can recognize like oh these guys are from the south oh that person's from New York or you can even guess at what nation somebody is from not even sometimes by uh you know by their appearance but by the way they carry themselves or the things that they do or the way that they're composed anybody know what I'm talking about why because they're they're in a particular environment they're observing certain things and they're becoming like that And this is kind of the theme of this 2 Corinthians text is we behold the glory of the Lord. We can be transformed into his glorious image. Uh, We we talked last week about the importance of seeing God as he truly is. That that, that he's a loving father whose desire is to adopt us, to receive us as sons and daughters of his first, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter chapter 1 and verse 12 says, if you believe in Jesus and receive him, you have the right to become children of God. Do you know you have the right to be a son, a daughter of the most high God? That's a big deal. And so we, we, we must get a, a proper perspective. And you know, some of us grew up with like you know, I don't know. Maybe you had a grumpy preacher growing up, and so you grew up with angry God theology, or maybe you grew up with a you know a greasy grace kind of message. I, I was in that kind of place as well, where uh, never altar calls, never calls to repentance, and so I just thought, you know, uh, God is casual and God doesn't care about the way that I live my life. But as I've grown to know the Lord, I realize some of what I was raised with was good, and boy, a lot of it was not. And as I behold the Lord, um, I'm becoming more and more like him. And prayerfully, we're all on this same journey. Are you becoming more and more like our God? I sure hope so. If not, you can begin that journey tonight. So how do you behold him? That's the big question because you read all of this language and wow, glory and spirit and covenants and, and man, this all sounds awesome, Pastor Jacob, but like break it down. How do we actually do this? How do we actually look like him? On Sunday, I preached on the simple fact that one of the ways that we behold the Lord is through giving worship to him. That we diffuse the fragrance of Christ as we behold and worship the Lord, even in moments of giving and bringing offerings. These are things that literally, the Bible says, come before the Lord like a fragrance into his presence. That's amazing. Talked about Cornelius and how it was his prayers and it was his giving. This is worship. It came before and it got the attention of God and brought salvation to his entire household. So realize when we come together in worship or when you get on your own, you can be driving down the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You're not just singing songs you're going way beyond just singing a song for entertainment. Well, I don't like. This is literally a fragrance that is being lifted up to God himself. When we come this Sunday with a special gift, with a special offering, this is not just, well, I guess we're going to help that building program out. I guess we're going to keep this church open. It does that. But it is so much more. And friend, if you don't tap into the idea that when we bring our gifts before the Lord, this is literally a sweet-smelling fragrance and aroma that is brought before the Lord. And I, I shared the picture. I know I'm re-preaching my message now, but but I talked about this, this woman, Mary, who came into the, the presence of Jesus with this with this flask of oil worth a year's salary, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, and how she brought, broke this over the feet of Jesus. She poured this beautiful perfume on him, worshiping him, adoring him. And not only was Jesus, the Bible says that he was anointed for his burial. And the Bible says that the fragrance of that ointment filled the entire room. But I also pointed out the fact that there were two people that day who left smelling like a million bucks. Jesus Left, having been anointed, having been blessed for his burial, Jesus left with this beautiful fragrance, but also that woman who had rubbed that perfume in with her very own hair and kissed his face and loved and worshipped Jesus, she also left with the fragrance of Christ on her. And so we, as we come into the presence of God, do you realize, sometimes you don't even realize what's happening, friend but you're literally, you get in this atmosphere of glory, and you're adoring the Lord as we're giving, and it's coming before the Lord like a beautiful fragrance, but you also leave with that fragrance on yourself. As you go places, people are like, what is that? What's different about you? Well, I'm being transformed from glory to glory. Now, I want to give you another way, because you'll notice if you really read 2 Corinthians 3, Most of what we're dealing with is actually the reading of Scripture. Did you see that theme in what we were reading? When people read with veiled faces or unveiled faces, when you read the Scripture with Jesus, the veil's removed. When you read by the Spirit, there's freedom to read. And I mean, all of this is dealing with the Word. And so one of the ways, this is very important, I want you to write this down. We behold the Lord through the Word of God. We behold the Lord through the word of God. Uh, The first, I think this was last Thursday, I began to talk about beholding the Lord, and I actually had us take a moment. Close your eyes, and let's pray, and just picture Jesus. And somebody came up to me after the service and says, Pastor, I've got a hard time doing that because, you know, I've got all these paintings, and you've got white, blue-eyed Jesus, and you've got, uh, you know, you've got black Jesus, and you've got Indian Jesus. My wife gave me a sticker that had Asian Jesus with his Asian disciples on it. I'm looking at this thing, and like, you wonder why. No, no, Jesus was Jewish. Hallelujah. And the Bible describes him in a very particular way and I understand I understand what you're saying you can see the Mormon Jesus looking grumpy angry right and you just you see all these pictures of Jesus but what does he actually look like we want to behold not our cultural understanding of Jesus or even the perception we were given uh, you know what what the preacher I grew up raised under uh, how he presented Jesus I mean all of that can be beneficial But I want to know Jesus as he truly is. I want to behold him in his glory. Now, as I said, I can see the glory of Jesus reflected in you. I listen to guys like Dr. Morocco, and I see an aspect of God's glory. But friend, there are things that I have received as I gaze into the Lord himself. And I didn't get that from you. I didn't get that from Dr. Morocco. I didn't get that through a podcast or a seminar. It comes as I spend time with Jesus, looking at him, and the Spirit is bearing witness with him, and he is speaking to me, and I'm being transformed. Can you tell I get excited about this? So. How are we going to look at Jesus? Well, we read the, the entire text. I won't reread it, but in verse 13, it talks about how Moses had a veil over his face and how those who are outside of Christ are blinded. Until this day, there remains a veil. And how many of you can exper- have experienced that? Before you got saved, how many of you tried reading the Bible and it made no sense to you? A lot of us probably tried. The only thing that I even found mildly interesting before I got saved was the book of Revelation, because like, whoa, beasts, dragons, wow, that sounds interesting. And as it was the only thing I could even halfway, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I understood it at all, but I understood dragon, right? But boy, when I got saved. In fact, my wife, she just found on the shelf. I've got this dinky little Bible, probably cost $15 in some, you know, cheap Christian bookstore. But that was the first Bible I remember reading. And the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I remember reading that Bible, like page. I mean, it was a little tiny thing. I don't even my eyes are 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 getting worse as I get older. Praise God. I don't even know if I could read it today. But I, I I remember like just Laying on my bed and reading that Bible and just these moments of revelation where the Spirit of God began to speak to me. And, uh, and it's amazing what, ha- what happened. I surrendered my life to Jesus. I was received into him, and according to this passage, that veil which had blinded my mind was now removed. And as I was looking into the word by the teaching, the instruction, Jesus talked about how Holy Spirit would come, and he would be a teacher, a helper, an instructor. So I want you to hear me on this. Before Before I even get very far into this, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about memorizing Bible verses. I'm not talking about bible drills. That stuff is helpful. I'm thankful for the scriptures that I've memorized. But how many know it's very different when you sit down in front of your bible and say, "I'm going to memorize some scripture." I'm going to study some theology. I love that. But it's very different when you sit down and you say, "Lord, this is your word." Will you make it manifest to me? Will you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Holy Spirit, I ask you to be my teacher, to be my instructor as I open this glorious word because I want to gaze in this and I want it to be like a mirror that shows me who you are but also begins to reflect who I am. You understand? That's way different than time for memory verses. So we need to move beyond that. Friend, oh, if, if, I could, if I could just, if anything, you walk away. I don't know how long you're going to be in this church. Some of you will go be missionaries. But, but I hope 20 years from now, when you talk about what I got from Pastor Jacob, I hope that you learn to love the Word of God. This is glorious. If I could get you to do anything in this life, I would get you to fall in love with the Word of God. So we need the written Word. Everybody say the written Word. I'm going to give you a couple verses here. You can jot this down. And I'm sorry, media, I added a couple verses to this, so you might not have all of this. But 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture, everybody say All Scripture. That's Old Testament. That's New Testament. If if it's Scripture, guess what it is? It is breathed by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Oh, my goodness. You can read the Bible, and if you allow it to, it's literally like God breathing into you. And what happens? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every. You know what that is? You're being transformed from glory to glory. As you behold the word of God, whoa, I'm getting something that I was lacking a moment ago. The Lord is speaking to me, and it's like God himself. God breathed is coming into me. It is powerful. I, I, I hope you have a reverence for the Word of God. I was listening to Joyce Meyer with my wife. We had a great time. I went and helped her do shopping at Costco, and we listened to Joyce Meyer on the way home. You could tell it was my time to serve my wife. But you know Joyce was talking about when she was first coming into ministry. A couple things that she did. She was talking about how, how you know the Bible says that she's standing on the promises of God and so she'd literally write out scriptures and things she was believing for, put them in her shoes so that everywhere that she was go she, goes, she was literally standing on the promises of God. She talk about these moments where like Ezekiel and John had the same kind of thing where like eat the scroll. And she shared, now this is Joyce, okay? I don't know if you like Joyce or not. I like Joyce, all right. But she, uh, uh, she would write out things and eat it. <laughs> I'm eating the word of God. And, uh, you know, you may think that's crazy. And she's even laughing, and there are all the other ladies in this thing, they're all laughing at her. But she was hungry. And it shows you she had a reverence, a reverence for the word of God. She had a reverence for them. And look at how the Lord has elevated her as an authoritative teacher of the Word. Look at what God has done. You get people, man, they're just like, well, I just, I just want the Holy Ghost. And, and they, they neglect the Word and some of the most terrible theology you've ever heard in your life. And you watch it undermines their ministry. Friend, fall in love with the Holy Ghost. I love Pentecost. I love praying in tongues. I love prophecy. You came on a prophecy night. I don't know if you know that or not. But I-, I love the things of the Spirit. But the only reason this ministry has remained, the reason that I'm still standing strong after nearly 20 years of ministry, is because I've got a foundation in the Word. We must We must have a foundation in the Word. So, the written Word. Now, let me ask you this. Let me give you a good example. What do you think within Christian theology, I'm actually curious what you think, what do you think is the most important doctrine in all of Christianity? Like, the most important. Like, if we had to understand and believe one thing, I know that's a big question, but... Anybody, anybody want to be brave and say what? Yeah. The resurrection. And Jesus, Jesus is the way to salvation. Okay. I was expecting, so, so these two things combine, and, and it's yes. Uh, I, would, I would agree. However, have you ever noticed, if you ever study the four square church, or the assembly of God, or the church of God in Christ, or any of these many, even spirit-filled denominations, um, most of them have the deity of Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They have this idea that he resurrected, he's overcome hell, death, and the grave. Most good church, every good church, will have those pieces there. But even the assembly of God, that's the second most important doctrine. You know what, what number one is? The authority of the word. Why? Why? Because if you take away the authority of the word, then all of a sudden we can create new ways of salvation. In fact, you'll watch all of these guys who are ordaining gay ministers. You'll watch these guys who are preaching multiple ways to Christ. You'll watch these, these individuals who compromise on all. The very first thing that goes is, well, I think we could interpret that a different well that's not what I that's not how I understand that scripture. Or, or they'll say stupid things like okay, I'm I'm sorry. I don't I'm not gonna but for real people will say stupid things like this. Well, Jesus never talked about that, or Jesus only said that once. What was the verse we just read in 1 Timothy 3.16? All scripture. So guess what? Doesn't matter if it comes out of Leviticus, doesn't matter if it's Revelation, or the words are in red. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is the standard that the Lord has set. All Scripture, all script. Doesn't matter if it's only there one time. You know that there's only one teaching in the Bible about communion? Do you know that? That's pretty important to us as New Testament believers, isn't it? And this is something that, I mean, virtually every denomination in History has practiced some form of the receiving of Holy Communion, but there's only one portion of Scripture that teaches that. But why? We take it seriously because all Scripture is God breathed, and it's profitable for rebuke and exhortation, for the equipping of the man of God that we can be complete in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, look at, let me give you another verse here Psalm 138 and verse 2. He says, I will worship towards your holy temple. I will praise your, uh, your name for your loving kindness and truth. Now watch this. You have magnified your word above your name. You have magnified or you have exalted your word above your name. That's a crazy statement right there. But friend, I'm telling you, if you don't have a reverence for the word of God, you're going to start believing all kinds of weird stuff about God. You're not going to have a right perspective of who he is. And if you attempt to behold the glory of the Lord, uh, uh, you, you could get way off. This is where cults begin. I'm, I'm telling you, this is where cults begin. The very first thing that flies out the, the door when you look at any cult, number one thing that goes out is the authority of Scripture, quickly followed by usually the Trinity, The Trinity's important, friend. People will reduce Jesus to the level of Muhammad, or they'll reduce him to Joseph Smith, and yeah, there's a, Jesus is great, but he's on the same level. No, Jesus is a part of the Godhead. The Bible says that he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, or the fullness of God in human flesh. That means everything that the Father God is, Jesus is. Jesus is not less than what the Father is. The Holy Spirit is not less than what the Father or Jesus is. They are co-equal. In fact, look at look at this. First John, no, 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 let's Bible quiz. What are the three parts of the Trinity? I just named them: Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now watch. First John chapter 5. Again, I, I, I'm sorry, you guys, you don't have these verses. I'm just some of this is right off the cuff. First John chapter five and verse seven says this that there are three that bear witness in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. huh? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. John who wrote the book of first john and also wrote the gospel of john also but wrote the book of revelation he understood this he was closer to Jesus than any other disciple, and he called Jesus the Word made flesh. He says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And oh, oh this, this is, gets good. And we beheld what? The glory of the Lord what is jesus the eternal word became flesh and dwelt among us and what we beheld was his glory what are we talking about we're talking about being transformed from glory to glory and i'm telling you one of the ways is to behold the word as you look upon the word You're literally beholding Jesus. Now, you need the help of the Holy Ghost. You need the power. If you do this in a religious sense, friend, it will do precious little for you. But if you're sitting with Jesus in glory and you're looking in his word, which is glory, I'm telling you, you will be transformed from glory to glory. Wow. Oh, I'm getting excited about this. That's the written word. Everybody say written word. Anybody know what the Greek word for that is? Okay, I'm going to teach you. Now most of us have been, how many of you have ever heard the word logos or logos? Okay, some of you, okay, oh yeah, I knew that, but you're you're afraid because I'm going to rebuke you, right? No, I'm not going to. The logos, everybody say logos. That's the written word. But there's another word that uh, some like to use more than others. Uh, uh, Anybody know what the, it it also is translated word in English, but there's another Greek word there. Anybody have guesses what the other one is? Rhema. Rhema. Everybody say rhema. rhema. What is rhema word? It's a spoken word. It's a word that is declared. It's when we take that which is written, that was eternal, that which is glory, hallelujah, we put it in our mouth and we release it. Now it becomes a living word. Now it becomes a Rama word. So when Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew and Luke chapter 4, he was being tempted, he was being oppressed, but what does he do? He takes the written word and he Ramas. He releases. He breathes out these words. What did Timothy say? That all scripture is God breathed. But what happens is when we take God's words and we put them in our mouth and we breathe them out. <laughs> I'm oh, I feel like I could just like run through a wall right now. I'm just I'm telling you, it becomes powerful. I'm not gonna try, but <laughs> do it. I don't know. <laughs> That wasn't nice. <laughs> For those who are watching online, somebody's like, do it. But our words are powerful. In Ephesians chapter 6, 17, it says that we're to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word. Rhema is the word that's used there. It's not just a memory verse that's here, but it's that which is coming out of your spirit Out of your mouth, you're releasing the spoken word of God. So, even when we take... Now, one of the things that we're going to do for part of our prophetic exercise tonight is we're actually going to take the scripture and we're going to prophesy into others using the word. It's the rhema. It's we're gonna, we're gonna release. This is why, friend, if I'm needing breakthrough, if I'm needing healing, if I'm needing freedom, if I'm contending for salvation for someone, I always, one of the very first things that I will do is I will find something in scripture that I can grab hold of. I find a promise that I can grab hold of, but that must become rhema in my mouth. It must be the living word that is activated and released. Why is this important? I thought about beginning with this tonight, but I want to share with you why is it important that you and I behold the Lord and become like him? The Bible says, we read the verse, how Moses received a glory that was fading. Now, I don't know why it is, but sometimes we read Bible stories and we're like, wow, Moses, glory. And we look at these guys like they're a superhero on another level. I don't know if it's our Hollywood culture where we, like, view celebrities on some pedestal. I mean, I'll never forget. My wife and I went to uh, one of those, uh, what do they call that, the late night show or whatever it's called. Uh, And and, and we were there when uh, Captain America, it was when the Avengers was coming out. And so all of Team Cap, it was when uh, Captain America and Iron Man and all these guys, they were all there. And uh, so we went to the show. And I remember, I was excited. You know, Chris, what, what's his name? Chris Evans walks out. I'm like, that's Captain America right there. And honestly, honestly, I was disappointed because he's just a normal dude. And like, I was, I was seriously expecting, like here's one of the biggest celebrities in, in the nation, in the world right now, but I saw him and I'm like, I mean, it, it, it might as well have been Kama walked into the room, you know? I probably would have rather seen comma after the interview. I mean, it just, like, it didn't, it, it didn't mean much. I, I mean, it was cool, but, like, I don't know what it is. Like, we get this elevated view of people when they're in a camera or they're, or they're known, uh, uh, even even Bible individuals. But here's what I, I want you to realize. Remember what we read. Go back to that, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 8. Moses went onto a mountain, he came down glowing, powerful. But 2 Corinthians 3.8 says, Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, new covenant, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? How many of you have received the Holy Spirit? Okay, if you've been born again, come on. And we pray for this like, Lord, fill me, baptize me, anoint me with your spirit. If you have received the Holy Spirit that is giving life, you should be expecting far greater glory than what even Moses did. I know you're not getting it yet. Okay. Moses, you're amazing. But I'm expecting more than Moses. Like, I'm telling you, church, I'm going to have an encounter with Jesus, and I'm going to come walking into this room. My face is going to be glowing. It's going to freak everybody out. Because this is where my expectancy is today. I don't think it was there even six months ago. But as I have begun to understand this, like, we are have the opportunity through the word, through worship, through giving, through all the things that I'm unfolding, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. And what we have the capacity to receive today is greater, so much greater than anything Moses could even dream of. I'm expecting, like, Minister Adele to walk in, and we just all go out under the glory of God. Somebody's going to grab hold of this and, like, You've been in the presence of God. What in the world has happened? Jesus made a statement, and it's crazy, and I've watched people try and reason this thing away. John 14, 12, Assuredly, I say, he who believes in me, the things that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, and the Father may be glorified, in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it look at Moses and expect more. Look at Jesus. This almost feels wrong, but you heard the scripture. Look at Jesus. Expect more. What? That's what he says. And I believe that Jesus is probably just waiting for somebody like, who's going to ask in my name? Who's actually going to believe that I will do this? And it's not to your glory. He said, I will be glorified and my Father will be glorified. If you ask anything in my name. We dealt with this in James. Elijah was a man like us. What? He would speak to storms. He is raising people from the dead. But he was like us, the Bible says. So... I don't know why we put these guys up on some level. Like, Peter's shadow could heal people. Mine too. Yours too. All this is is we are beholding. Shouldn't we expect a far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Friend, you and I, Have the joy of being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. And as we come into his presence in worship, as we give, as we behold him in the word, oh, I'm telling you, friend, you and I have the opportunity to come off of these mountains with greater glory than even Moses himself had. As I close, uh, Kyle, would you come and, and, and help me play some Stop Talking music? Jesse Duplantis shares a story of an encounter he had when he went to heaven. And I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't believe most of those stories. Most people say, oh, I went to heaven. I'm like, mm, no, you didn't. I don't know what spirit you're talking to, but you're not beholding the glory of the Lord. But when I hear Jesse talk, I believe him. There aren't many, but I believe Jesse. And Jesse talks about It was an afternoon. He had gone to lunch. He would ordered food. And he didn't even begin to eat because he just felt the tug of the Lord, get to your hotel room right now. So he left his steak at the table, went back to his hotel room, prayed, had this moment. God picked him up and took him and had this amazing heaven encounter. He has, and you can read, he wrote a book on it. He's preached messages about this. But he shares about how he walked into the service that night after having this radical encounter with the Lord. And he said he was, it was like three, five minutes after the service had started. And he comes in through the back door and the worship team just stops. And they just hand him the microphone. And he's like, this is weird. You know, normally we'll do worship and housekeeping announcements, all the stuff that we do in church. Uh, uh, But they just handed him the microphone. Later on, he asked him, why did you just give? He's like, well, you came in and you were glowing. And we're just like, let's just give this guy the service right now. So they just hand him the microphone and he just takes it. He gets up on stage. I was listening to him the other day. He said he's had this twice in his ministry. He gets up on the stage, and this is all he says. I've been in the presence of God. And out that simple statement, he said the entire room went out under the power of God. Every The worship team, the pastor, every person, whether they were believers or unbel- every person in the room went out under the power of God. Just when he said, I've been in the presence of God. What was happening? He was walking. I believe we can have these moments where we walk in greater glory than even Moses did. I want encounters like that. I want you to have experiences like that. Friend, you come in, your face, face is glowing because you've been in the presence of God. I'll do the same thing. I'll just hand you the microphone. I'm just telling you, if you come in, your face is glowing. You just, what do you want to do? That's what I'm, shouldn't our expectancy? Greater glory. Greater glory. From glory to glory. As we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed from glory to glory. We are being transformed into his glory glorious image as we behold him we become like him hallelujah thank you for listening to this podcast our goal is to make as many messages available for free as possible but if you have been impacted today and would like to sow into our ministry please visit our website at jacobbarrientos.org